0: I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more I long for clarity and simplicity in the midst of the chaos of life. Um, Things just seem so complicated, don't they? Um, At every turn, at every level, it's just complicated. And I really appreciated Phil's message last week. Uh, I don't know what you titled it, Phil, but I titled it Taking the Land. Is that a good title. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, Christians are always about taking the land that God has given us. That's really what we do. And as Phil so uh, biblically pointed out in, in, in the old covenant days, the nation of Israel was taking the physical land uh, of all the Ike people and. Uh, But for you and I, uh, it's a different story. We're taking the land of our soul and our hearts, the the inside of us that has been bought by Christ. But there's still a battle involved, as as was pointed out last week. And it's not just the internal land. It's it's the land in which all the tribes and tongues and nations live. It's the whole world. Um, So, yeah, we're still about. Taking the land. And. I thought as I I pondered that and was blessed in the afterglow of that, I was also, you know, just praying, Lord, what are you doing? What are you fitting together? And and as has been said here, we need to listen carefully to the messages that come to what God's speaking to us uh, so we know where we're going. And so I felt like Phil's message was significant and. Also, what's been happening on Sunday nights. Uh, Donna and I are blessed to be a part of the Sunday night. Is it home group? It can't be a home group because we meet here at the church. Life group. What is it called, Ron? It's a group. It's a group on Sunday nights uh, that some of us are involved in. And we kept meeting via uh, Zoom during the COVID lockdown. And we met for the first time again last Sunday night right here. But while we were meeting online, another message that Phil preached uh, a couple months back, uh, he just mentioned it wasn't about discipleship, but he mentioned discipleship. And in our discussion about the message, uh, we started talking about discipleship. And that kind of gets me stirred up because that's what I talk about. That's what I do. I have the privilege of, in the past at least, going all over the world. Uh, many parts of the world, been able to talk to church leaders about biblical discipleship. So I started throwing in my two cents to the discussion and we all started talking and it was like just this natural, organic, to use that word, uh, excitement that started to swell among us. Wow, this is this is important stuff. And so we kept talking and we got together last Sunday night. I was allowed to begin to share some about discipleship with with our our group. And um, when Bobby asked if I wanted to preach today, I I, I said, sure. And as I prayed about it, I felt like I'll just carry on with this. So I want to I want to talk to you this morning about discipleship, because I believe God's doing something. Uh, And what I hope to convey is that discipleship is the deal, okay? Uh, And I want to illustrate this to you uh, by telling you a true story. Uh, I think if things are working well, well, there should be another slide. Has, Has there been a slide up there yet with a sermon title? Are you guys good back there? I hadn't checked. Oh, there it comes. Okay, we can get that full screen. Down at the bottom right, there should be a way to get that full screen. There you go. Um, And if you go to the next slide. That's Matt Emmons. You ever heard of him? Matt Emmons was in the 2004 Olympics, which were actually that year held in Athens, Greece. And Matt. Is a target shooter. Show the next picture. Yeah, look at all the medals he's got. He, uh, um, ah, now you can see it better. Uh, Amazing gift, amazing eye, amazing ability to hold his breath and pull a trigger and hit a bullseye. And in these Olympics, he had already won one gold medal. And he only had to hit uh, one more target. It looked like this. Looked just like that, except it was 50 meters away and it was only about that big around. And if he could hit anywhere on that target, because he was so far ahead of everyone else, he would win his second gold medal. So he, he ran to the place, I believe this last station, he was standing, he aimed, held his breath, pulled the trigger, right in the middle of the bullseye. So he won his second gold medal, Right? Let's see his expression. No, he didn't. <laughs> he hit the target right in the middle, but he did not win a second gold medal. Anybody know why? If you know the answer to this, hold back, because some of you do. Why didn't he get the second gold medal? Why did he have this look on his face? Like what? Anybody have an idea? Who knows? Wrong target. He hit the wrong target. I love I don't love this story for his sake, but for our sake, this is so powerful. It's costly to hit the wrong target. We got to know what target we're aiming for. And that's very important for us as the church. Uh, We don't want to have that expression on our face Uh, when we stand before the Lord like, Lord, what, what do you mean I hit the wrong target? As a church, the church, our church here, the church around the world, we put our energy, our time, our resources into targets, don't we? And there's a lot of good things that we pour ourselves into. Uh, I've got a few listed here. Evangelism, that's important. Uh, Church growth, good preaching, helpful programs, exciting services of worship. Effective youth and children's ministries, adequate buildings, everywhere you go in the world, churches are all about these things. And that's all okay. But is that our target? Like I said, I'm about simplicity at this point in my life. I want to, I want to see what the target is. I want to pour myself into it. And I want to be about it. And not be distracted by all the other targets that are out there. We've been, I believe, given two very clear targets by Jesus Christ. The first one is the Great Commission. Let's see that, guys. This is in, um, it's actually two places, but I want to look at it out of Matthew 22. You all know the great commandment, right? The setting of this is important. Can you guys see that? I can't. i got cataract surgery coming up. I can't even see my bob. Can I have a little light up here? <laughs> hey, I got it now. I got it. I'm okay. Um, I say I do. Where is that? Bear with me. Yeah, I need a little light. I'm sorry, I'm totally lost. It's dark up here. I'm a creature of the light. Sorry, John. John's always there when you need him. That's good. That's good. Thank you. Okay. Matthew 22, starting at verse 37. Uh, Actually, verse 36. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Uh, One of the Sadducees asked him, trying to test him, Teacher, tell us, what is the bottom line here? What's the real target? All these laws we have, all these laws piled high, what is the bottom line? And you know what he said. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. What a gift that is to us. Do you understand how important it is to understand that Jesus said, this is it. Out of all the stuff, all the targets, this is it. Love me with all that you all, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. If we look at this in Mark, it adds in all your strength when it quotes from the Old Testament. That is the first commandment. Everything else flows from it. And the second, and they go together, is like it. And what does the second say? And your neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself. Man, we really don't need a whole lot more than that as far as our personal target for life. That's our personal target. Love the Lord your God but for all that you are. And love your neighbor as yourself. All that's swirling around us in the world today. If we could just do that, everything would work. What a target. The second target. We know is the Great Commission. There's the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. Great Commission is found in Matthew 28. This becomes a corporate target. This is what we, as brothers and sisters in Christ, pour our lives into. First, I, as an individual, pursue the Great Commandment. Then, Together with you, I pursue the great commission, which is, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Pause. Did you hear what he just said? Please don't read your Bible quickly all the time. (laughs) Stop and think. All authority has been given to me. In heaven and on earth. So he tells us, I have authority. How much? All authority. In what realm? All authority where? When the Bible says here, heaven and earth, that's a way of saying you cannot go anywhere. That I don't rule and reign. Absolutely. All authority in heaven and earth is mine. And keep in mind the context of when he said this. He's risen from the dead. He's been alive for 40 days from the grave. He's getting ready to ascend to his father. And now we await that second coming from this point. Of course, he did send the spirit. Thank the Lord. So that all of this can take place. But this is the promise we have. Based on that, he says, therefore, because of this authority, I have you Yell it. Go! Go! Where do we go? All nations. All nations. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. That doesn't mean China, England, uh, Swaziland. That means every people group in the world. And there are thousands and thousands. And we baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I uh, have commanded you. Notice those words, teaching them to obey and command. Those are words we don't like. What do you mean? You're going to command me to do something? I have all authority in heaven and on earth. I am risen from the dead. Yeah, I'm commanding you. And you better listen. Do you know how much I love you? Would I command anything to you that wasn't absolutely glorious for you to pursue? No way. All authority. Go. Obey what I've commanded. Teach others to do the same. And I'm going to be with you in this to the very end of the age. Until I come back again. I'm right there. Not just next to you. Where inside of us? What do you not know that your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you? Man, He's done it all. So this is our great commission. These are our. This is our target. All summed up. Forget everything else. Focus like a laser beam on this. Great commandment in your personal life. Great commission. Us as the church, right here, Franklin Covenant, and the church. Our brothers and sisters in Franklin, Jerusalem, in uh, North Carolina, Judea, in the uttermost parts of the earth. All of us all over the world. This is our deal. Are you with me? Having said that. You've got to be a disciple if you're going to make a disciple. And this is what keeps the church strong. This is what will keep the church being the church. A bunch of disciples who are actually making other disciples. that That's the commission. Go and do this. He didn't say go build churches. He didn't, he didn't even say go evangelize. Notice that. It's one thing to have a bunch of converts. Quick example. I, I'm, I've done this at a church. A church that will remain unnamed. A big church is south of Atlanta. And this church is exploding with people. That's great. But you know what? There's no discipleship. It's a mile wide and an inch deep. Great to baptize people. But you got you look out at a congregation of, if spiritually, a bunch of whining infants sitting in the chairs. Dying. Dying off one by one because they're not being fed anything. They're not being nurtured. They're not being... Grown up into maturity. That's what we're called to do. It doesn't do any good to make converts. Our call is to make followers, disciples. And we've not done that. The church has not done that. And that's the problem. We're missing the target. Um, what happened? What happened? So you got to be a disciple if you're going to make a disciple. I'm going to I'm going to give you some images, but I hope will stick with you. Um, for some of you that were there last Sunday night, this is a little repeat, but I think that's OK to repeat, because if you're like me, you need to hear things many times to remember anything. So um, there was a, a rabbinical saying uh, back in the time of Jesus and back in the, the days of, of Israel, even today, I guess, because if you've been to Israel, you've seen the. The, the, the rabbis and the little guys going behind them, you know, and uh, following their, their rabbi. But uh, there were, if, if, you, if you had a, a child or a, a, a relative that were going to come into a, a, a discipling relationship with a rabbi, you would say, you would bless them. Put your hands on them and say, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Isn't that cool? I like that. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Now, visualize what that means. Uh, those folks usually wore sandals, right? And uh, I don't know if they were quite flip-flops, maybe. I don't know the exact, you know, how many shoe styles they had then. But uh, typically the roads are dusty and, and, and you walk along and you're know, like pig pen, you know, and you're kicking up your, your dust behind you. And uh, so even if you, you imagine you've seen drawings of Jesus or movies, whatever, and you see Jesus going, you've got the 12 disciples that are all following you. And, and probably Peter, James and John, they were right up close, you know, because they want to be close because Jesus is talking while they're going down the road and they don't want to miss anything he says. But all the while, his sandals are kicking up dust and it's getting on. them. And and, and Jesus comes and sits down, says it's time for lunch. And, and they sit around him and, uh, you know, right there in the dirt at his feet. And they listen to him teach. They hear him pray. Uh, he gets up. They get up. They're living life with him. And that's the picture of biblical discipleship. And, and what we're going to be talking about on Sunday nights in our group, and I want to tell you now, you're welcome to join us if you want. If God stirs your heart in what I say this morning, please come join us and talk to Ron at the end about any food you might can bring so he knows you're coming and all that. But we're going to get into these things. But, but we've got to be covered in the dust of the rabbi. But I want you to just see this image. and I want you to think about your dust. You stir up dust as you live your life. And your dust affects other people. Your spiritual dust, if you will. For better or for worse. And in the church we have what I call incidental or accidental discipleship. Because we're always kicking up dust with each other. I don't mean that in an argument. You know what I'm saying? Because we're, we're with each other. You know, you come to church and, you know, and, 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 and I see Daniel and, and uh, uh, I say, man, Daniel, what a neat guy. You know, he really is. If you don't know Daniel. And, and you, you say, uh, man, I, I just love the way he, he, he cares for his kids. And, uh, you know, I just really admire him. And, you know, that just knowing people in the church affects you. Right. Uh, but that's an accidental or incidental way that we Disciple each other. Encourage each other. But Jesus did it intentionally. And that's something we're going to talk about a lot. Right, Tommy? Intentional. We've got to be intentional about discipleship. Because this is what we've got to be focused on like a laser beam. This is what our, our target is. We don't want to be haphazard about it. We want to really do what this thing is Jesus is calling us. And he's the model. So it's all about our dust. And I want my dust to be good. I, I, I want to affect people for the glory of God, to help them mature, to feed them, to see them become all Jesus wants them to be. But that means I've got to be relational with them. I've got to be intentional with them. I've got to be authentic with them. I think I've got a slide for that. Is that up there? Yeah. Uh, uh, I've got to be accountable and that I'm going to be honest with them and let them be honest with me. I'm going to be committed to the process. And, and, and finally, it's got to be Bible-centered. Uh, if you read John 17, the main, one of the most amazing chapters in the New Testament. If you haven't read John 17 lately, it's, all, it's the true Lord's Prayer. It's an insight into the prayer Jesus prayed in the upper room just before He went to the cross. And it's all about praying for His guys. Minus, you know who, because He left. Uh, and he's saying, Lord, Father, you gave me your word and I gave it to them and they have received it over and over. He talks about giving them the word and, 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 and he's talking about how he passed something to these men. And remember, we've got to be honest about if we're going to have a legacy, if we're going to fulfill our purpose during our time on this earth. Shouldn't we do it the way Jesus did it? Because His plan worked pretty well. And we're here today because of what happened then. Because of that prayer in the upper room. Because of those three years He spent with those men. Because those men were discipled by Him. Discipled well. And they gave their lives. For this target of knowing Christ. We have the baton in our hand now. We have got to pass it. Not only to the next generation, but to each other. This, this is our dust. This is our, our life in Christ. All that, we have, all that Christ has done in us to this point. All that's going to happen in us. We are called by Christ to pass this to other people. Amen? And this, by the way, I don't think... This is a baton. That's for a relay race. <laughs> And you know what happens if you don't pass the baton well in a relay race? You lose. It's over. And that happened to the U.S. twice in the Olympics. Expected to win gold medals in the relay and they dropped the baton. You can be fast as the wind, but if you fumble the pass, you're done. And that's where the church is right now, if we're honest. I get when I talk about this, I get excited. <laughs> um, I'm almost done. I'm just trying to. Stir the pot here, point out some clear things. This if you agree, you know, I hope you're shouting amen in your heart. This is what Christ has given us as our target. And I love where it says in Hebrews. I think we have this scripture, too. Familiar passage. I I wrote it up here for you from the Amplified Bible. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another. Studying how we may stir up, stimulate, and incite to love and helpful deeds. That's the great commandment, isn't it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. That's what we're stirring one another up to: stirring one another, stimulating, incite to love and to helpful deeds and noble activities. Not forsaking the neglecting, not forsaking or neglecting to meet together. Now we automatically think about Sunday morning worship. At least I typically did when I read that passage. You got to go to church, and I say Amen. But it's much more than that. This is meeting together. I don't care if it's, it's John and I, or, or the group on Sunday night, or any time, Christians, it's, it's coming together as believers and, and stirring one another up this way. Admonishing, warning, urging, and encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day approaching. Man. If there was any time the church needs to be the church, it's now. I'm, I have no predictions about anything. I just know that these are troubled times. And the world needs us. The world needs us to be who we're supposed to be. Not people that go to services. Not people that have potluck dinners. Not people that have great music. Or on, on, on. All wonderful. All wonderful. But my brothers and sisters, we've got to hit the target inside and outside. The slurp, the the church is like a sleeping giant. There are thousands upon thousands of believers sitting in services all over the world today. We don't have a clue what to do. I believe in Jesus. I like the music here. Nice people. Many, many of them don't even know Christ. But those who do. Still. And it's the leader's fault. Because what's the leader's job? It's in Ephesians. Right? Who can quote it? Leaders? (laughs) You're supposed to train the saints. Equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And that's what we're talking about here. Equipping all of us to be disciples who make disciples. Because that's the ministry. It's every one of our ministry. When Jesus gave this great commission, there were those 11 guys there, for sure. But we all know it wasn't just for them. It's for everybody that would follow him. And that's what a disciple is at the bottom of it all. A follower. A learner. Somebody getting Jesus' dust on them. So they can get that Jesus' dust on somebody else. Apostle Paul said, Follow me as I follow Christ. Paul is, between Jesus and Paul, we have all the example we could ever need of what discipleship is about. And what a discipleship heart looks like. Follow me as I follow Christ. It's a bold statement. If I stand here and say, hey, guys, follow me, you know, who does he think he is? Uh, I'm sure people thought that of Paul. Uh, But we should be able to say that. We should be able to say the trajectory of my life is for Jesus. I love him. I want him. I may go three steps forward and two steps back. But the trajectory of my life is going this way toward him. I can make disciples. Doesn't matter how old you are, how long you've been in the kingdom. If you love Jesus, Jesus is okay. Go and do this. Hit these targets. Love me with all your heart. Love your neighbors, yourself, and go into the world. Whatever that looks like in your situation. Your world that he sends you into may be your neighbor next door. Or it may be the, the, the darkest parts of the Amazon jungle. Who knows? The church is a sleeping giant, and it's time for us to wake up. And I'm excited about the potential in this ch- local church, personally, because I think we can wake up. Uh, I always say I'm the new kid on the block. still kind of am, I guess, but I've heard many of you say, you know, we, we need a clear vision. <laughs> uh, I offer this one. I don't think you get a clearer vision than this, a more biblical vision than this. And we're going to talk about what it looks like. This verse out of Hebrews, it's about it's about a, a, a fellowship between people that that is rich and, and real and life giving. And, life-giving. and um, I've tried to enter into that with a few brothers in, in this fellowship and I'm going to continue to do that. And, and it. It says in 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul says to Timothy, okay, I have given it to you, Timothy. You've walked with me. You've seen how I've lived. You've heard what I've taught. Now you find other faithful people and you pass it to them and teach them to find other faithful people. That's how church growth works. It's not programs. This is not a program. This is the DNA of the church. Amen. This is Christian life. I am growing in Christ. I'm here to pour my life into helping you grow in Christ. And it becomes multiplication, not slow addition. And that's how the church grows. And that's how the church stays strong. Because you've got to be a disciple if you're going to make disciples. You've got to be somebody who has worthy, I'll use the word worthy, dust that's worthwhile getting on you. So you stay strong and you help others stay strong. And I'm going to be quiet because I start to ramble. Uh... But if, if, if God is stirring anything in your heart uh, from what I'm sharing this morning, please join us tonight at six because we're going to pursue in our group. Uh, we're going to talk. We're going to wrestle with scriptures. We're going to uh, we're going to start these the five things uh, uh, praying about who God would give us to, to become relational and intentional and authentic and accountable and get in the word with. You know, a way I'll teach you how to do a very simple way to to fellowship in the word that's being used all over the world called Discovery Bible Study. It's not rocket science. Simplicity. It's all about simplicity because it makes it transferable. Are you with me? Yeah. Amen. I'm going to be quiet. Can I Can I pray? Yeah. Okay. And, and you don't need to clap when we're done. Right, Tommy? Uh, uh, I didn't do anything. Uh, I just... Uh, I just said what I think the Lord wants us to hear. So, Father. Thank you for your clarity. Thank you that you're a God who speaks and you don't speak mysteriously. You speak clearly. You speak profoundly. You speak in ways that our minds cannot comprehend all authority in heaven on earth. Lord, help us begin to grasp. The clear declarations of who you are and what you intend and and what you're about in our lives. Um, Father, you know how distracted we are. You know, you see, you know the world we live in. You're all, you're, you're here with us. Lord, teach us how to, to, to lay aside everything that hinders our race and be able to see with a new clarity the target. Of the great commandment and the great commission, Lord, that you've so clearly given us. Lord, we pray for Franklin Covenant Church, Lord, that you will raise us up in this clear vision that we will multiply, uh, not for our sakes or Lord, because we're here for you. We want your name to be seen uh, as glorious because your name represents your glory. Uh, You are God. And we want to live in a way that shows that we believe you're God and that your commands are worth keeping. Not because we're obligated, but because we have this great commission, this great opportunity set before us. To glorify your name. So help us, Lord. Help us tonight as we meet. And uh, Lord, just do this in our hearts. Only you can do it. So we're just trying to be faithful, Lord. So Holy Spirit, fill us. Fill us. And do what has to be done. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, John, do you want to close? Don't forget. Love one another. And don't forget the first part of that commandment either. Love the Lord your God. So you can love one another well. Amen.